I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Kind of sounds like an overnight FM. Sort of a 1970s FM announcer kind of a deal. How's everybody doing out there? Not too bad. Glad or could could be NPR. It could be. Could be an NPR show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Terry Devante. That's Ted Bird. Standing by. Standing That's by. the uh, name of the podcast. And uh, we have another great guest today. Very excited. And uh, we're going to get to that guest in a moment. But first... We have to tell you about our title sponsor. I remember the word. Uh, how about that? Well done, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, that's the UPS Store Canada. Uh, Ted and I have been on a bit of a glad-handing trip this week. We um, we are deeply grateful to the sponsors that we have. Deeply grateful to you for downloading the podcast, of course. But also, uh, there's you know a little bit of expense involved, and in, and the sponsors have been. Great supporters, David Drucker and the people at the 380, over 380 locations of the UPS store have been huge supporters. Yesterday, we went out to to Pincourt and visited the one in uh, Don Quixote. We were on the island of Parrots. Oh, it was Il Parat. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't Pincourt. Pincourt is on the island of Parrots, is it not? Okay, there you go. All right. Well, we were on Don (laughs) Quixote. Yep. And we saw Jason Liverman and his wife. Uh, Stacy Friend, they are the proprietors of that particular UPS store, and uh, there's a lot more to it than uh, mm-hmm. than I knew. Like when I think UPS, I just think a guy in a brown truck going here. That's yeah. for you. Well, we did see the guy in the brown truck. Grant pulled yeah. up with some packages, but that's where you make your business go. Um, mailboxes, passport pictures, shredding services, copying services. Document services, packing services, delicious packing peanuts. Yeah, I ate a packing peanut. Just uh, it was it was for entertainment purposes, and it wasn't very good. And if you still want to send faxes and you don't have a fax at home, because who does today? Uh, they can help you with that too. It's an entrepreneur in your community that will help you if you're an entrepreneur, or if you just want to send stuff to the kids at college. You've got a package that you're not sure how to ship. The post office can't handle it. The folks at the UPS store can. Uh, you'll find a location near you no matter where you are listening to this. Uh, all you got to do is start at the upsstore.ca. Our guest today is an entrepreneur. He's yes. Had, he's had some business success. Oh, and well, how. Then. Yeah, <laughs> and how. Our guest today is uh, an entrepreneur, a uh, former hockey player, a uh, former hockey uh, company executive, former hockey agent, a uh, former hockey agent is a philanthropist, a huge supporter of the community here in Montreal, and I must uh, I must come clean, also a friend of the DeMonte family. Mm-hmm. And our guest is Robin Burns. Hello, Robin Burns. 
Holy crap, I didn't realize that. I did all of that. You're, You're quite accomplished, you know. Oh, you are quite an accomplished man, and you, you will not deny being a, a friend of the DeMonte family. Oh, I am a good friend of the DeMonte family, you know. You're... Your mother, the old bee, and it, it, uh, that doesn't register as old bag, but it rhymes with witch. Anyway, so, the, uh, yeah, no, uh, your mother and father, your brothers, your sisters, uh, the uh, luscious Letitia, there, uh, who's now a grandmother. You know, yes. the, the whole family I've, I've been fortunate enough to be friends with for many, many years. Met on the beach in Florida, and my dad loves to tell the story. My dad was wearing a global television jacket that I had given him, and you approached him and said, hey, where'd you get that? Yeah, no, we were sitting, of course, <laughs> of course we were on the beach uh, bar at yes, the time. at the bar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, of course. You have, yeah. you have to kind of throw that in, you know, so <laughs> and bad, you, have to, you have to come clean now, you know, you're a piss tanker. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so any, anyhow, no, and that's what happened. And I, I looked at it, and one thing led to another, and they said, oh, yeah, my, my son's in radio. And I said, yeah, yeah, good luck. And they, uh, <laughs> so they, they introduced themselves, and I said, I think I know who your son is. Uh, it's not Ted Bird, but <laughs> nope, nope. So anyways, uh, and that started a, a long love affair because yeah. uh, we've, been, we've been close ever since, and uh, my wife, Franny, and I, uh, Love your family and uh, right back at much, you, Robin. much more than loving your family. Uh, I love your mother's lasagna. Yeah, <laughs> that I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, Bev I, makes a good lasagna, does oh, she? Oh, I, yeah. I have to admit, I've had a lot of lasagna, even in Italy, I've had a lot of lasagnas. And uh, Ted, you not Ted, but Terry, your mother, uh, yeah, remember, she was so worried she was coming upstate New York, yeah, yeah. and she. <laughs> That's just a great story. She, she was so worried she wouldn't be able to get it across the border because back in those yet. days, that's when there was all this crap about you couldn't bring meat. Yeah, and yeah. So she hid it in her in her luggage, <laughs> and here, here she comes up to the border and she's shaking like a leaf. And she finally, when she got through, uh, she came up to Mountview and she explained why you know I snuck this across the border and huge. Huge tray of lasagna, so I said to her, maybe you need a cocktail. Whoa, that would be nice. Is one of the, anything to declare? No, no. And that nope. sounds so much, yeah. I could see your yeah. mom. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking that she's yeah. some kind of a master criminal oh, yeah. smuggling <laughs> lasagna across yeah. the border. But, you know, you know Bev, and, yeah. and certainly she is she is such the nervous, absolutely nervous, nervous type, and uh, Terry and I were talking before we uh, we started this. Uh, what what's it called? Podcast. Yeah, the podcast. Yeah, and and I said uh, of anybody that I thought was going to have medical problems first would would have been Bev. Uh, she's so hyper and you know like, uh, but uh, bang. Yeah, the, the, the down went the, down the went Energizer uh, Bunny. <laughs> oh yeah, and down went down went Terry, and then the. Yeah. Uh, the Energizer Bunny, oh uh, which I call his father, uh, mm -hmm. Lou. Uh, how many times did in Cornwall did he paint this house inside <laughs> out? <laughs> he, yeah. Well, he's Italian, yeah, you know. Yeah, they got to stay busy. Yeah. Okay, finish yeah. painting, I put the brush down, and start over again, you know. And so, but but it was it was great. And uh, Dean uh, was uh, was incredible because. Uh, when when Dean was starting in business and everything like that, and I had I had been 
several different businesses, and he'd call me and say, "What do you think?" And so I tried to give him the best advice yeah. possible. And uh, my brother's a, a, a runs his own business, bit of an entrepreneur, and we'll get into that with Robin. And Robin has been a good mentor to my brother Dean. Well, you know, he, he yeah. he'd ask me a question, and unlike a lot of people that've been in business that think their poopy doesn't stink, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. I just gave him the honest answer, and uh, and it it turned. Especially he had to uh, fire someone, and he was really nervous uh, about firing. And I said, "Listen, Dean, if it's not in the best interest of your business, cut it loose. Yeah, yeah. you know, cut it." So yeah. he did, and it worked out very well. It sure has. So yeah, it was Robert, great. Uh, listen, I I want to I want to start. You know, your NDG boy that's had such a, a fascinating. Um, it's one of the th- reasons I thought you would make an amazing guest. You, you've had such a fascinating road, such an unbelievable journey you've been on. And I guess I'd like to, it started in NDG and you ended up very briefly having a national hockey league. Do we call it a career? I don't know what the hell you call it, but we, I, I certainly did. I, yeah. I, I was there. I actually, in Kansas City one year, I scored 18 goals in, there, there you know. in, in the there National you. Hockey League. There you go. And, and when, that was before, that's when goals were still pretty tough to come yeah, by, as yeah. I recall. Well, you know, like they, a couple went off my ass, a couple <laughs> went off my, you know. They still I, count. They, but, yeah. yeah. They don't say how, it's how many. Yeah. And, uh, my son Todd said, "Well, you know, Dad, today that would only make you about a five or six million dollar hockey player." <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, I think at that point, I was getting paid fifty-five thousand. Thought I died and went to heaven. Okay. You know what? Know, that was a lot of money. A lot of money back yeah, then. And, and you know, like uh, I think in in our era of hockey, uh, it it was. You know, the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs was drinking draft beer or bottle beer. You know, there you go. It, was, <laughs> yeah. it, it, was, it, it wasn't like today where there are millions of dollars. So, yeah. so what but, was the span of your career, Robin? Late 60s into mid-70s? Well, I, I turned pro in 67 with Montreal with Savard, Vadnet, Lemaire, Grant, Monaghan, Redmond, Tony Esposito. So I, I, there's a lot of those guys in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So... I I played I played NDG junior junior B I, I was playing junior I guess I was 14 years old, and then uh, I I graduated NDG junior A and then junior Canadians and then uh, my first training camp and and I fought a lot uh, in junior, so they figured oh we we got a beauty here, so uh, my first training camp I went to I couldn't find my name on the list and what the Canadians did at the time was they had six teams, and you just you know around the rink twice to the left, twice to the right, drop the puck, and uh, away you go. Go, you know, and so I couldn't find my name, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking, and sure enough, here I, I look, and I'm on a list, and my centerman is Jean Bellyville, my right winger is Ivan Cornway, and I, play, I played left wing, and it was those two that uh, probably uh, were the ones that were most responsible for me turning pro. I think I finished my junior year with about 100 penalty, minutes, 100 penalty minutes, and I think I had 10 or 11 goals, and I scored about 11 or 12 goals in training camp that year. But, I mean, Bellyville was just such a, an unbelievable gentleman, but he was so talented. And Cornway, he, you know, his speed was... So they kind of forgot about the fat kid on the left side, you know? So <laughs> I, I picked up a few goals, and and uh, Claude Royal, God rest his soul, uh, said, Robbins... <laughs> <laughs> Robbins, see, you see what happens. Uh, uh, my cousin Pat used to tell me his name was 
Fats Bird, and my name was Robin's, <laughs> Robin's Bird. Robin's Bird, yeah. Robin's well, I'm Ted's Bird sometimes, yeah, Rob, to francophones. Rob, Rob, Robin's. Uh, <laughs> Sam wants me to talk to you. Uh, you know, we, we think uh, you do good on that, uh, and we're going to have to sign you pro. He said, you know, we're going to give you a bonus. And uh, at this point, I'm sitting there going, I don't care how much money they offer me. Uh, it was secondary. Wow. So we all made 5000 bucks. Would you believe Savard got uh, 1000 No, 5000 to sign. Lemaire, like 2500 uh, I got 1000 bucks. Uh, it was that's, that's kind of the pecking order yep. it, it went. And you know, you, you look at it, and back then, five thousand bucks. Uh, the rookie meals today are, are yeah, are, yeah, are more more than that. Wine, sure, wine yeah. is more than uh, wow. yeah. Why do you think a rookie meal? By the a rookie, explain what a rookie meal is, Robin. Well, you know, there used to be uh, hazing uh, going back, and I certainly can't get into that because yeah. half the guys I mentioned would be in jail. So I, I hazing now. So instead of hazing the rookies. They would take everyone out to dinner. Yeah. If there was two rookies, they divided by two, three. So, and the dinner, like I said, the wine bill by itself would be in excess of five, you know, five, six thousand bucks. And nobody goes short. The team knows about it. Everybody, the management and the, the players know. So they go to a, a, a beautiful restaurant. Yeah. And uh, they have a, a super evening and the rookies, uh, Throw your card down, boys. Yeah, uh, that'd be pay. crazy expensive today. No but what's kidding. the starting salary today? Nine hundred grand. Well, it. I think it's still seven, seven fifty up to yeah eight fifty, then nine hundred, whatever. But they can make now up to millions of dollars in bonuses. Yeah, you know. But that's the opening salary of the yeah. National Hockey League. In my day, I think it was back. I think it was the we started. There was a. Thirty-five hundred bucks, uh, just thirty-five hundred to four to five thousand in that you know in that range. I remember I got an invitation to the Alouettes training camp, uh, and I got an invitation to the Canadians training camp, and the opening salary for the Owls was thirty-five hundred, and the Canadians were paying five, so I went for the big bucks. <laughs> so you were a football prospect as well. well I, I played football. Yeah, you know, I mean, growing up, uh, I I played I played all the sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. Uh, I can't stand it. I know I don't want to go off topic, but I can't stand it today when the, you know, these parents that got the kids in, in, in hockey and then summers, summer, spring hockey, summer hockey, fall yeah. hockey. But I mean, that's a fool's errand. Yeah. Day. Let them, let them. Yeah. I think the more sports they can participate yeah. in, the better athlete they're going to be. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. But I, you know, I, I was very fortunate coming through uh, NDG, coming through. Canadians organization coming uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, like uh, everything seemed to uh, happen for a reason. Uh, we, uh, we had, Franny and I had one, one child February 1068. We had one child February 1069. We had another child February 872. And my, my daughter, I remember she was about 13 and she said, uh, you know, uh, May seemed to be my parents' mating month, and I and I, I stuck my head around the corner. I said, "No, sweetheart." I said, "We didn't make the playoffs." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Robin, when you're yeah. when you're at training camp and Claude Rell tells you that, it's kind of like a dream come true. What, like, is that the start of it? And what number are you wearing? And and where do you go from there? Well, I, you know, listen, you. 
you're so excited to just to sign a contract. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they sent all the uh, top prospects uh, to Houston. So, uh, you know, I played with the Canadians. Uh, you play an exhibition game, and, and that's that's a dream come true. Because don't forget, this is a team you followed. Yeah, since you since you were a kid. Yeah. You know, like uh, anybody, no matter no matter where you came from, uh, any uh, around the province of Quebec for sure, and, and Montreal, one hundred percent. And even sometimes, boy, geez, you matter timers. Sure. Boy, yeah, but yeah. matter timers, boy, geez, they stuck up for them there Bruins. Well, uh, you know, yeah. well, there's some Bruins fans, yeah. but mostly Canadians yeah. and yeah. some Leafs as well. Yeah. But most of, most of my friends growing well, up were Canadians. Well, you, fans. When you look at it, Montreal was, you know, was first of all they were so good. That was that was the other thing, and and the other side of the coin was, uh, so you you were so excited to go and and Sammy Pollock, what what he used to do. When we were, when I was playing junior Canadians, I remember I, I hadn't put a pair of skates on since April. And when you had training camp and these six teams, and then he, I get a phone call and says, "Can you report the the forum? I'm 15 years old, uh, and and I let's like say I hadn't been on skates. And you go down, they sharpen your skates, and you're you're a Freddie fill-in because yeah. someone on one of the got got hurt. Wow! So you're you're down there playing with all of these unbelievable legends of the game, 15 years old. And and my lungs were bursting at the end of it. You know, you're, you're too stupid not to go 100 miles an hour. And, and then you, you might have played a couple of days till someone with the injury that came back, and then we'll see it at your own training camps. So, and you look up at one point and John Beliveau's there. Wow. Jesus listen, Christ. When, when uh, no, he didn't play. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of guys thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, when you get to heaven, you see he's wearing 99. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, like, it was just incredible time, incredible period of, uh, in my life where I uh, I was I was probably a, a tremendous fan and then to be able to step on the ice there. And uh, and that that was probably a, a highlight of, you know, I, 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 I remember I, – Growing up, I taught swimming, sailing, water skiing. I I I, I skied at the, uh, you know, La Revue Nautique uh, Expo '67. Uh, I did the water ski show. I did all of that stuff, but just the step on the ice uh, at the forum was can't was, imagine was was yeah. was was a great thrill. Did you ever play a regular season game for the Canadians? Right? No, never got into. I I think I played oh three or four exhibitions. But you did play on the ice. At the forum, yeah, in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. But I, but I never got a, I never got a regular season game, I, right? Well, I, still, even one, just, one just being on the ice, even an exhibition game, yeah. you're on the forum ice, you're wearing that jersey, yeah, and you're playing for the Montreal Canadiens. You, you said earlier numbers. Uh, you don't remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked for nine, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken for, yeah, yeah. And then I, I said, well, you know, if nine's not available, how about sixteen? <laughs> no. no, no, keep it in the family. So, but it was it was it was a different era in the '60s, uh, so it was uh, it was it was fun. It was just absolutely. So when fun. you is was it exp when you expansion happened? Is that when you ended up down in Kansas City? Yeah, I uh, then uh, expansion came and uh, well, the Canadians thought so much of me after I played for the Houston uh, for two years, and then I played for the Voyageurs, uh, which was their yeah the American affiliate. Hockey League. Yeah. Uh, and if you take a picture of the 6970 
Voyagers, every guy on that team went to the NHL, all but uh, Ron Roberts. Uh, he's the only one that didn't play in the NHL off that Voyager oh. team. Tardif, Hool, you know, you, you name them. Uh, every Everyone played in the NHL, which is compliment to the Canadians for yeah, our club for no sure. Kidding. So, but it was, it was, it was a, like, I, I keep referring, referring back to a different era. And, uh, you know, I don't enjoy the hockey today as much as uh, I, I think they put the red line back in. It's, it's a demolition derby. Yeah. It scares me that someone is going to, someone's going to get themselves killed uh, the way they, they, I think every time the puck's dumped in, it's either boarding, you know, uh, charging, charging, yeah. boarding, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I the so, red, the red line, they can, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. They, yeah. they, they, they've been playing a hundred games since I was six years old. So, I, I, I look at it and I think put the blue of the red line back, and I think it'd make it'd make it a lot. So uh, you're talking about eliminating the two line or bringing bringing back, back the two, two line, line pass yeah. Yeah. against yeah. the rules. You know, yeah. like if if you look at it, the guy's at the other end of the rink and they take a slap shot, and the guy just tips it, you know, yeah. uh, at the blue line, and yeah. and then they're, they're off zooming the races. In. Yeah, yeah. So I, is I, that I, not mitigated somewhat though? By well, no, it, I'm oh, I'm just gonna I'm about to contradict myself. I was gonna say, is that not mitigated by the by the uh, no touch icing? But if he's if he's dumping yeah. it in and he's already on that side of St. Yeah. Rice, they're going. They're going. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, it just. Uh, I mean, Ted, you grew up. Uh, Terry, you grew up with the uh, red line. Yeah. And I, I thought there was uh, there was more playmaking. Yeah. You know, I mean, I agree. He, he, a kid, this kid Connor Bedard, I, I watched him. I watched him play. Uh, you know, the other night against Toronto, and uh, he he's talented. But the thing that scares me in Caulfield is is an example. A lot of these Smurfs that are being drafted, and yeah. I call them Smurfs. Look at the Stanley Cup champion last year. Did you see the size of their defense and yeah. the size of their players? And I, I think, yes, there's always room. Everyone says, well, look at Cornway. Look at Ari Richard. I, I played with Cornway and Ari Richard. They, they could hold their own. And if you, Yvette Cornway was built like a brick shit house, yeah. you know, and, and – Ari Richard was as tough uh, as well, you're ever going to see any smaller player. Well, it, and Cornwall, Corn, I remember the first time I shook Cornwall's hands. They're, they're they're the size of a small car. Yeah, he he is <laughs> fingers but, like hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he is strong. And and you know with his speed and everything yeah. like that. But uh, Caulfield, I and, and I I said it and and I last year someone said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Unbelievable goal scorer." But I said, when someone is 170 pounds, five foot. Five six and someone's two hundred and forty pounds six six three, and if a collision happens, something's going to give. Yeah, you know, and you know, bang a shoulder goes, and and that's what I worry about a lot of these smaller players. And and for you smaller smaller players out there that are listening to this, uh, you know, don't worry about it. You're going to get as good a shot today as any player. Yeah. But I worry that uh, that people like Connor Bedard. Uh, who has talent, unbelievable talent, scoring goals. Uh, you, you watch him with the puck, heads up. He makes unbelievable. But somewhere down the line, he's gonna he's gonna be turning left and look right. And yeah, how do you uh, think Gretzky survived all those years without serious injury? Gretzky was. Don't forget, Gretzky was was also uh, very very a deceptive type of uh, player. You know, like. 
when he set his office up behind the back of the net and everything like that. But Gretzky had eyes in the back. Like, he, he didn't get hit. And when he did get hit, he, he got some injuries. If you remember, uh, for, someone clocked him a cross-check. Keith uh, McCreary yeah, Jr., yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there there's an example of a guy. But Gretzky uh, was was uh, a unique a unique player that could sense where and, – and people talk about hockey sense. Hockey sense is going where – you know where you think the puck is going to go, and it usually goes there. And you see, Bedard has that. Uh, Caulfield has that. Suzuki has that. It, it that's something that can't be taught. You, and then someone says, "I, you know, like uh, he's the best stick handler uh, I've ever seen." And I go, "You can be taught to stick handle. You can't be taught to skate. Skating is still the number one. Number one." You know, like all these guys uh, today, oh, my God, they train all summer. They train unbelievable. And uh, I I, uh, I was working out with a guy with Mike Matheson uh, when he was when he was in university. And, uh, this, you know, David Arsenal had a group uh, of NHL players and what they would do and work out and everything. We, we never trained like that, uh, no. you know. No. Ran from the car to the bar if it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but it, here again, different different era, different, yeah. uh, different way of looking at things. Uh, but, you know, like the the balance of the league today is, uh, you know, it's incredible. What, what was it like wh- um, when expansion first arrived and you're playing, you're playing hockey and in, in uh, let's be honest, not a, you know, Kansas City, not a big hockey market, especially back then, Colorado, those kinds of places. Oh, was, was it tough, Robin? Well, you didn't have to worry about being recognized. That's, that's, for that's sure. true. You know, yeah. uh, I went to a couple of Chiefs games. We went to the Royals games, and, I, you know, they, they'd introduce us, uh, and, and the crowd would politely go, oh, yeah, lucky. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and we, yeah, we'd come out on the ice, and, yeah. you know, it'd be a packed house of 6,000. You know, Kemper Arena held what eighteen. <laughs> so uh, you know, and oh, I, I, here's a story I never forget. There's a up in the stands, and I'm in Kansas City, and this father that I knew, he said, uh, "Bernsey, can you get give me a puck?" So I said, towards the end of the period, I said, "You know," so I skated, and they they were off to the side, so I could flip it. So I flipped it up into the stands. Hit the kid right in the head. <laughs> oh no, father! Father missed the puck. Oh, it's a, split him open. For three four. How do you feel? You know, can you, can you get my son a puck? Yeah, no problem. But uh, yeah, Kansas City, Kansas City was a, an unbelievable place, beautiful place to live. Uh, the uh, George Shore, who owned Shore Tire, was one of the owners. And he actually paid out of his pocket the last two paychecks. Wow. Because, you know. The, the money wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're talking about going back. I think it would probably sell more today. But yeah. Are they, they talking about expanding back to Kansas yeah, City? There's yeah, there's Kansas City. They used, you know, all these these places where they had hockey before. And it's funny. There's more pro teams in the state of Texas. Is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah, more pro hockey teams in the state of Texas than than any other state. 
Well, they went back to Colorado and made it work there, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, well, you know, like they left. Everyone says, uh, you know, when uh, Pat's Pat's burn uh, when he won the Stanley <laughs> Cup, uh, we had a big party, and I, I I got a picture of him hoisting the Stanley Cup, and he 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 handed it to me, and you know, if you, you touch the Stanley Cup, you'll never win it, and he and he was very gracious. He, he said, Robin. You'll never win it. Yeah. <laughs> I take it. My guy was his agent at the time. <laughs> you know, for the big story about being agent, Harry Sinden, I, I remember Pat was, when we went to Boston to sign with Boston, and we were sitting there, and I was looking for a four-year four deal, and I also had LaPerriere, and I was looking for a four-year deal for both of them. And so... We were we we'd gone into negotiations, and I was in I was in the room with a, a young lawyer, and uh, he uh, he said to me, "Now, uh, what law school did you graduate from?" I said, "Law school." I said, "My best three years of high school were grade eight. Are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> and he looked looked at me and he said, you, "You don't you don't have a law degree?" I said, "No, I didn't, no, you needed a law degree to negotiate a contract." <laughs> So there was about five different clauses left, bonus type of things. And Harry made the mistake of calling a news conference for 11 o'clock that morning. This was about 20 to 11. I looked and I knew time. So I could all of a sudden knock on the door. How's it going, Harry? Mr. said, it's fine. Michael Connell's sitting there. He comes in and we what do you have? What do you have left to do? And I said, this one, this one. Okay. Now I have Pat waiting downstairs in a taxi because of the, the, uh, you know, the press conference at eleven o'clock. So now it's ten to eleven. We got another three or four things to. All of a sudden, a little knock on the door again. Uh, can we can we move this along? He had every radio and TV station sit, sitting there now. Five to eleven. Another knock at the door. Now Harry opens the door. All right, what the f are you looking for? You know, it's, uh, it's just this one, this one, this one. All right, give him the effing thing. <laughs> so he said, "Where's Pat?" I said, "He's downstairs in a taxi waiting." Well, get his ass up here. So. He comes up, gets gets in the elevator. Hey, Bernsey, welcome to Boston. <laughs> Anyways, up up he comes, the big press conference, and afterwards, uh, in between Michael Connell's office and Harry's office, there was a like a little little hallway with a bar. Was, made a drink, and he he turns and he get it. We all have a, a scotch or something, and he gives it this one. How come you spent so much time on all these bonuses? I said, well, to tell you the truth, uh, Harry, you uh, you put a time limit on yourself. What do you mean? I said, you called the press conference for 11. You son of a man. <laughs> <laughs> you got played. <laughs> so he said, uh, he said, he said, uh, do you do this on a regular basis? I said, no, I, I just rep I represent maybe you know, 15 or 20 coaches. Uh, and it was like, 
anyways, Pat went on and uh, he he ended up getting on his third year of a four year deal. He ended up getting fired after ten games. Wow. So I want to want to talk to you about uh, uh, about the the transition to the uh, the land of agents and. There's a story that I want you to retell because I'll screw it up if I try and tell it. But we have to take a minute to talk about Sugar Sammy, who's another one of our sponsors. Um, we have a few sponsors, Robin, so you'll have to be patient hey, with us. Hey, listen, <laughs> you go right ahead. Sugar Sammy, um, I don't need to tell you who that is. If uh, you're listening to this podcast and you're a Montrealer, and I know uh, most of our listeners are, Sugar Sammy is quickly becoming a legend in the comedy world and currently as the bilingual show on the road. Um, as we record this in October, he was in Winnipeg last night. Ted and I saw the show at the theater in the spring, and it just, every time you see Sammy, it just gets better and better and better and more powerful. He doesn't spare anybody, uh, and if you have a sense of humor, you know he means no malice. It's one of the great things about Sammy is his humor is biting without being mean. You know what I mean? Well, he's got that great combination of confidence and likability. Yeah, there you go. And Absolutely. Really, uh, I think are essential in stand-up comedy, and he's got them in spades. And he's just selling out everywhere. Yeah. He's selling out it, everywhere. And he's doing the bilingual show across the country. Yeah, Winnipeg and Calgary and Vancouver. I'm going to see him in Vancouver um, in, uh, well, actually next week I'm going to see him. He'll be back in Montreal in 2024. The January shows are already sold out, uh, but they're adding February shows. Make sure you get your tickets soon, though, uh, soon as in five minutes ago, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. those are going to sell out fast as well. Go to SugarSammy.com. You can see when and where he's playing, and it's money well spent. I don't know what the tickets cost, but I know they're worth it. Yeah, it and, absolutely and is it's worth not, it. And it's not, it's not going to break the bank because... No. Stand-up comedy remains the best bang for your buck in live entertainment. And it's an innovative show. I, you know, I remember years ago when he talked to me about it and said, you think I could get away with a bilingual show in Montreal? And at the time, it seemed like genius. And uh, it turned out to be genius because, you know, he would put on a series of shows and they would sell out, and he'd put on another series of shows and they would sell out. Uh, the proof, The proof is in the attendance. SugarSammy.com. Make sure you get your tickets and see them while you can. Our guest is Robin Burns. Robin, can you tell the story? If I recall, I think you and Franny were either in Kansas City or Colorado, and didn't you have to take a young French-Canadian goaltender in or invite a young Canadian goaltend French-Canadian player in for dinner? Yeah, well, that, you were this, trying to help him with the spaghetti, his English, the yeah. spaghetti dinner story, yeah, and yeah. and you can say this, fuck Robin because yes. it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, this, this this is this is such a great behind the scenes. Uh, it was hockey. It, story. it was in it was in Hershey actually. Oh, Hershey. Okay, it was in yeah. Hershey, Pennsylvania, and yeah. Denny Denny all was uh, a rookie uh, goaltender, and he, and Denny only spoke French, uh, and oh, really a a smidgen of English. Learned on, so, learned on the ice in yeah, the dressing oh yeah, room. Oh, yeah. yeah. With, with every swear word, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, so Franny uh, says, why don't you invite Denny over for, you know, some uh, dinner? So I had uh, three young kids sitting there, you know, uh, Pete repeat and almost made it. They're sitting around the table. And Denny comes in and, you know, he, he instead of calling her Fran, he, he called her France, you know, like <laughs> 
Hello, Fred. So, so anyways, he sits down at the table with my my kids and Fran and I, and 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 with conversation, translation, and everything like that. Uh, so then he finishes his dinner, and you know, with with the most sincere appreciation for a home cooked meal, he turns to my wife and says, "You know what, France." That's the best fucking spaghetti I never had. <laughs> and and Fred was being gracious. Oh, you're so welcome, Denny. And I'm I'm joking. No doubt, joking. How did the kids you, react? So, <laughs> the kids were all small, and their eyes were like this. Uh, we don't we don't use the word around the, the dinner table too often. So so. But in Hershey, we had a trainer called Scotty Alexander, and I brought little Randy over. And now, at the time, seventy, he was uh, six. He was about five years old or so. Five, six years, no, five years old. So I brought him over uh, the noon skate. And in, in Hershey, we lived all across the street from the arena. So I brought Randy over, and uh, Scotty Alexander used the F word like it was. As as a trainer, you know, like a bang, 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 bang. So we come home, and Fran had uh, those days a traditional steak and a baked potato and everything. So Randy's sitting there and a little piece of steak and everything. And so Friday turns around and he says, "Mom, can you pass the fucking ketchup?" <laughs> he, he's five. Friend looks at me and she goes, he's not going to that rink with you anymore. <laughs> so, you know, but then he, you know, and, and, and with uh, little Randy asking for the fucking ketchup. Uh, it, it, well, you, you, you tell that story so well because you, 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 you speak French, you're Montrealer, you have the, the accent down, and, and you were doing your best to help the kids speak well, English and get a home cooked meal in it. it just, it's a great Quebec story. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of that story is the best fucking spaghetti I never, never had. Yeah, that's and that's, that's a, how would you say that in French? Is j'ai jamais eu? Is that it? J'ai jamais mangé. You know, it's almost literally translated. Yeah, yeah, I never had it. But, you know, it, it it's you know like I I don't speak French I speak Franglais, you know. And, you speak and, NDG French, yeah. Well, but you French. speak it yeah. enough that they would send yeah. these oh, young listen, French Canadian yeah. players to your house, yeah. right? Yeah, we we would uh, you know like I played with these ancien Canadiens and we would we would play in Saint Jean Louis the rubber boot throat <laughs> tip and, so, and no matter where you went uh, you'd make out the uh, you know uh, you take all this separatist crap right out of the yeah. the the picture and the the average uh, Quebecer as well the the average person that I mean Doug Harvey God rest his soul he he couldn't speak French very well and 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 this guy brings his uh, his boy and and you could you could see he said uh, Mr Harvey uh, my uh, my my son me I I me I love watch you okay number one but my boy please uh, make the the sign. And Doug was a, hey, c'est mon plaisir, you know, like yep. Doug could speak, like you said, NDG yeah. French, and, yeah. and he'd sign that. And uh, i never forget, at the Chalet Barbecue in NDG, I was playing for Terrebonne Park, I think it was Peavy, and we had our end of the year banquet, and Doug Harvey was there. 
And after I'd got about five autographs, uh, went up in, in line, went back, went up in line. Went <laughs> Doug finally looked at me and he said, uh, are you selling these or something? <laughs> you know? But I mean, it was it was just uh, like you, you travel around and and, and the, the, the Zancia Pro, I remember uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, myself, and three, four, five other guys, we we convinced him to go back uh, to the NHL. We were playing, we were playing in, in with teams, and he could still outskate. You're talking about Guy? Yeah, Guy Lafleur. Yeah, he, he was playing with Desarcia Pro, and and, and we sit we'd sit there and just say, "You're like, too good, Guy. Why are you?" Because he had that little argument with Lemaire, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, he, and yeah. he kind of, you know, said, "You know, the hell with it, sure, I'm, I'm done." But Playing playing these Asian Pro, he he was he was head and shoulders yeah. above anybody in skating and shooting, making us all look so, bad. Oh, so he, so he, we said, keep wanting to go back. Oh, I don't I don't know uh, you know too many other general ma- you know. So I but we made some calls and uh, he ended up uh, he ended up going to New York and uh, I think he played uh, what two in New York and two more in Quebec City. Yeah. Uh, you know, for you know what he, you know what he told me I, when I met him a bunch of times and got was lucky enough to interview him a couple of times, and what he told me about New York, Robin, I said, "What was your favorite thing about being in New York?" He said, "I got to do my grocery." Yeah, He's, and I said, "What?" Yeah, and he said he 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 loved the fact that he could go to a supermarket and just do groceries. He, he had that, some anonymity. That there. was a simple well, pleasure. But, Nobody but, bothered him. When you when you look at it, Guy Lafleur, yeah, in Quebec, no, no matter where he, where yeah. he, nowhere, he, you're not getting groceries. No, we, <laughs> well, Quebec, actually, Canada, can Well, we played yeah. it, we played Newfoundland, and uh, they were lined up around the block uh, to to get in, and uh, we went to this banquet afterwards, and and I felt I felt bad for him, and and to his credit, God rest his soul, he 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 stood there or sat there and signed, like. Must have been, uh, without without bullshitting, an hour and a half yeah. just signed, and and the people Newfoundland were lined up around the block to get in, and they asked us to stay. I think we played. Uh, it was it was it was a Saturday around Easter, and wasn't Easter anyways. Maybe it'd be the the week before, week after, and they asked us if we could play the next afternoon, and. Uh, all the guys uh, were uh, by that time when they asked us, we were all half in a bag anyway. So <laughs> we said, well, "Yeah, what the hell? Sure." Uh, so we uh, we played again the following afternoon to another packed house, and then we had a small reception and on the plane and came home. But Guy Lafleur was was idolized, absolutely Everywhere. idolized, and and I could understand that that story. Yeah. Uh, you know that he could go do his groceries. Yeah. He certainly couldn't anywhere when- else. When he passed away, I don't know how many hundreds of pictures I saw on Facebook of people of people posted of them having their picture yeah. taken with Guy Lafleur, yeah. yeah. and he was smiling yeah. every picture. Yeah. He smiled in every picture. He never looked like it was a pain in the ass. He never looked like he was not happy to do it or yeah. that he wanted to get out of there. He always had a smile on his face. You know, and I helped start Procure along uh, with Father John Walsh, and we, and we asked, and we on Father's Day we did a walk, uh, you know, and and several several times we asked Key, and uh, never said no, showed up, 
and on the walk, and even, you know, for the awareness of prostate cancer yeah. and everything, and walk uh, the five kilometers, everything came back, and just just sat there and signed and signed and, and, signed and, and until signed. everybody had one yeah. sign. And then, yeah. and and you're sitting there going, wow. You know, I I down in Malone, I had a golf tournament down there to help uh, raise funds for the uh, community center, the the rink, uh, to put in new compressors and boards and everything. And I remember I had, sitting around, I had Elmer Locke there, I had Dickie Moore there, I I had, uh, let me see, the, around the table, Phil Goyette, uh, uh, Dollar Salara, and then I had Sam Echeverry, Peter Dallariva, anyway, sit Around the table, I think there was something like 22 Stanley Cups. There was, you know, there was, I think, three, three or gray cups. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and, and to this day, it was the most expensive tournament. I think it was 500 bucks for a foursome. And a small town like Malone, two courses were sold out like that. Yeah. And it was just, and the guys never said no. And you, you know Elmer Locke and 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 Dickie Moore, all these like Hall of Famers, yeah. never said no. I won't mention the player's name, and he was from that area. I spoke to his agent. He said he'll come, but he needs he needs five thousand bucks. Oh Christ! Wow. And Jesus. I and I just and I said to him, "Do you know who's coming?" And I said, and you're asking me for five thousand yeah. dollars, yeah. You know, and yeah. I just said, nah, forget it. Anyways, the next day, the tournament was on on the Friday, and the next day, Saturday, he showed up and played golf at that golf course. And I just said, you know what? What goes around comes yeah. around. I, uh, yeah. I I just can't it's, believe. It, it, you good know. of you too to keep keep his name off yeah. the books. I want to want to move. So it's. You know, uh, tryouts, hockey, hockey career agent. Now you're with Lang. Is it Lang? You're the president yeah. of Lang. Well, I I, I started uh, with Remember Lang. Lang Hockey Skate. Sorry, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, I yeah. with Lang the molded skate, which yeah, it looked like a ski boot with yeah. a blade. Well, the actual first was uh, a carved up ski boot with yeah. a blade on it. Yeah. Uh, it was up in Saint Jerome and Phil Shirella. Uh, God rest his soul. And then Bob Lang came and who was the one that that actually put Adaprene down a side of leather boots to stiffen them. And then he ended up making a mold. And so uh, CCM had screwed up on the toe caps uh, and they asked me if I wanted to try this skate. And I knew Terry Harper from Monday night or Tuesday night hockey in the summer. And he said, "Bernsey, you're you're full of shit. Uh, you know, you you could you could sell ice to Eskimos." And and I said, "Yeah, but it has to be flavored." You know, the, so he said, "Can you help us with this skate project?" So we we started off, and uh, and and the project got underway, and uh, the landscape then formation one way or another, and then the guy came in, you uh, Banky, with this all metal blade. And with stainless steel on it, and I tried that out. I said, "This thing turns sharper than anything I've ever skated on in my life." But uh, you have one problem with it. I said, "What?" Uh, so Phil Shrella took a marker pen, 
and put the hole in the middle. They didn't have a hole. It was just a yeah. complete. Uh, just one. so they and then they they made that out of polycarbonate, and then of course polycarbonate when you when you rubbed any uh, oil-based product on it, the polycarbonate would would fall apart. So of course, guys were sharpening skates and waving it, and this, the, these holders were falling apart. Uh, so from Lang, uh, then uh, after. I work with them for three summers, uh, d helping develop all this stuff. And then Phil uh, Ikara Olivieri, who was making the molding machines, uh, was interested in starting a new, a new uh, skate company called Micron. And uh, so after Colorado asked me how my skiing was, I figured I had a first clue that that was going to be the end of my hockey <laughs> career. <laughs> so I I came back and we started Micron, and uh, and you're running the company. You're you're the president of Micron, and, and I was the CEO I, I, of that company. No, I I was I started off. So there was two of us. So Phil was president. I was assistant to the president. Okay, well, you know, was, yep. I'm no idiot. I figure, you know, if you're going to be president, I can be assistant yep. to the president. Yep. Since there's only two people in the company, <laughs> yeah. so Oliver he was uh, was was uh, a genius when it came to molds, and uh, so. Lo and behold, we we started this whole thing, uh, the skate company, and one thing led to another, and uh, uh, it was really uh, a spring. Took, yeah, yeah. And we were selling at one point. A guy in in Finland, Kerry Laudekine, and uh, beautiful man. Uh, he he brought in six pair, and we ended up we we did, I think, about a million player, uh, two two two. Uh, yeah, two uh, two years later, we're doing like a million pairs. So you're you're running this company at this point, and at what point does iTech become a thought in your head? I was playing hockey in the the summer of eighty two, eighty three or something, and I got nicked in the eye. Okay, and I was bleeding. And Red Story, uh, he he was refereeing and uh i said red there's got to be something to protect people's eyes because i said we're out here paying to play so i just i just married technologies that's i just i studied uh technologies uh of of polycarbonate and uh, and to be properly polished could could be optically correct and so on and so on. so i i went down that road and uh and got a mold made uh, in Woodland, uh, Illinois, and I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't. the The mold was supposed to be ready. Oh, I think it was. Uh, I left. I left Micron. I had a retirement. I retired from hockey. Then I had another retirement for Micron, and the mold was supposed to be ready for the first show in February, and uh, it wasn't ready. wasn't ready, and so I, uh, I just. The, the the one that, that we had out of the mold, I we put it and we called it for balloon ballet, which was which was uh, you know, broom ball. And uh, that one fell off the shelf and smashed Shit. on the floor. And what are we so talking? I, We're talking about I the full 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 clear shield. Full clear shield. So that yeah. so, so that it fell on the floor and smashed. So I had consumer and corporate affairs uh, knocking at my door. They a total recall of uh, I had sold five thousand of these things and total recall and we're done and I and I, I was going to bed that night and I said Lord you got to help me here because I said I I don't know what the hell to do now and I said but I'll tell you what 
and made a deal. I said, Lord, you you uh, pull me through here and I'll put a cross on every product I ever do and every piece of paper. Is that true? Everything and everything that had every piece of paper, every product that we made, uh, there was a cross hidden somewhere. I didn't know this. And, this and, is a cool and, story. And that, and that cross was my way of just saying thank you for for pulling this thing through. And uh, yeah, we we ended up, when I sold in 84, we were the third largest hockey company in the world at that point. Jeez uh, Louise. So you, and you started literally at your kitchen table. Yeah, Franny in the bed. Franny and was your wife. Your, and your, didn't your wife Franny said, what the hell are you no, doing? No, it was when I told the kids, uh, we were sitting, <laughs> we, were, we were sitting, I told the kids, I said, I'm, I said, I'm. Uh, With my big money I job. said, I'm, I was president of Micron and uh, I said, I'm leaving Micron and we're, I'm starting this uh, high-tech uh, company and Tracy was sitting there and she says, does that mean we have to move? <laughs> I said, no. Uh, Todd was sitting there, does that mean we don't get any more free skates? <laughs> I, I said, no, I think I know enough people. And Randy was sitting at the end of the table. He said, are you nuts? <laughs> he said, a very observant kid. You know, so. And it started with, are you nuts? And I, and, and I said, listen, Maybe you won't understand now, but later in life you might. I said, I've always wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. I'm going to venture out. I, I I knew I could get a job. I mean, yeah. I could, I you know, I was the best best salesman I ever met. So I, uh, Randy ended up working for the company, too. Yeah, he sold it Tracy. Yeah, yeah. And so did Todd. How many, how many, you started with you and the Franny at the kitchen table, and when you sold it, Robin, how many people were working for you? Close to three hundred. Jesus, I had a I had a Montreal where big we're, big we're place on Trans on Canada, Trans Canada. Can't and miss then that. I had a place in St Albans and a yeah. place in uh, Bern, Switzerland. Wow! So we were we were selling uh, close to forty countries at wow. the time. And and um, and who'd you sell it to? Who'd you sell the company to? I sold it. Well, I lucky that one was. I had five suitors. Uh, wow! For that one, uh, and I said to I uh, hired a firm from Ontario, and they to come in and they would do all the stuff. And so I I then said, I will do the selling. So I met, and I knew all these, you know, the Bowers and the CCMs and the Eastons, and the, I knew where their weaker points were. So I just went in and of course I pumped up and my vice president at the time, we'd go out and he'd go, where the hell did you pull those numbers out of? <laughs> I said, hey, you only get one shot to sell this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and, I, and and in the back of my name, I have the, you know, like the letters BBB. And what's BBB? And I said, bullshit baffles brains. <laughs> that's your degree. <laughs> that's my degree. So it was, it was, it was good. Uh, and then we sold and then uh, to Mission, which was in the roller hockey business. And, uh, and then Mission, they added for four years and sold the whole thing to Bauer. Wow. So. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
it's another uh, another little pause. Yeah, for a- it's yeah. You you got that right. We've got to say um, we've got to say thanks to uh, our friends um, at uh, the Mersons. Uh, the Mersons are a longtime uh, Montreal family um, who have been um, looking after Montrealers' cars for a long, long time. Um, I always tell the story about how I got screwed by a, a unscrupulous mechanic years ago, and a friend of mine said, "Don't why don't you take it to the Mersons? The Mersons never do anything that they don't have to do. Um, and uh, I went and met the family, and that was 30-some-odd years ago, and I've known ever since uh, that that uh, is a, a business that looks after Montrealers and their cars and is now on second and third generations of families that you can meet in the comfortable waiting room while they look over your car, uh, whether you need to work on your transmission or brakes or you've got to change your winter tires or you want to store your summer tires, anything that has anything to do with your motor vehicle, yeah. uh, they will uh, look after for you. The uh, family uh, that started that business some 50 years ago is still there. That means the owner is at the counter, and uh, all you have to do if you want to find out more about them is go to mersonauto.com and uh, uh, they will look after your car like they've looked after our vehicles for all of these years and have been looking after the podcast too since we started. And we appreciate that. Yes. And another sponsor who's been on board since we started the podcast six seasons ago, Jaguar Land Rover Laval. You're a prosperous man, Robin. I think you should go with Jaguar Land Rover <laughs> not just Not just for the product. The right. product speaks for itself. But for the customer service, and again, another family-owned and run business, the DeCubellis brothers, Nino and Renato, uh, just the nicest guys you'd ever meet, and uh, that filters on down through the entire staff, up to and including uh, the pre-owned sales manager, uh, who uh, Thomas, who's got a great nickname that I only learned about today. Tommy Two Phones. Okay. Because he's gotcha. always got two phones on gotcha. the go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tommy Two Phones. Isn't that great? What a great nickname that is. If you want brand new, you can get brand new. If you want to look at pre-owned, they've got a beautiful uh, inventory of certified pre-owned Jaguars and Land Rovers. They, they look brand new, those things. Oh, my the God. One that they, the loaner that yeah. they gave me to ferry you around town, yeah. it's like a brand new car, right? Absolutely. It's a 2020. Yeah. It's yeah. a 2020, and there's hardly any mileage yeah. on it at all. Yeah. And they've got a pre-owned showroom full of vehicles like that. Beautiful, beautiful quality, high-end luxury vehicles. If you're going to go down the luxury vehicle route, go to Jaguar Land Rover Laval, look around and meet the people before you make a, a final decision. I think you'll like uh, who you meet and what you see. JaguarLaval.ca and LandRoverLaval.ca. Robin, you touched on uh, t- touched on this uh, when we started the podcast. If somebody's listening uh, to this podcast who's got kids, and um, these days parents have stepped it up to, as you pointed out, playing hockey, you know, three sixty five, uh, sometimes you know, seven days a week, and camps and whatnot, and you know, everybody thinks their kids are going to make it to the National Hockey League. What's the advice you give parents who ask? about what to do if they want to encourage their kids, you know, ambitions or dreams to play in the National Hockey League? Well, I might start off by saying the numbers that make it to the National Hockey League percentage-wise is very, very, very small. You know, like uh, when I turned pro 
Uh, you didn't have a ton of Americans. You didn't have a ton of Europeans. And I think it was one in 50,000 at that time. Wow. Now, maybe I'd say it's one in, you know, 400,000. And I see misspent aspirations of coaches and parents constantly. I see kids that are playing novice, coaches getting paid 5000 a year. Kids that are playing Bantam hockey, AAA, I have to pay ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year, and they're paying coaches, you know, seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Jesus, I didn't to, even know. to coach uh, their teams, it it's out of control, and the parents are out of control. Uh, and I think, why is hockey declining? It's because of the parents, and I I, I put that one hundred percent. You know, the helicopter parents and the hovering parents and the screaming parents and everything like that. I go to a rink and I, uh, when I watch my kids participate in sports or my grandchildren, I go over into the corner and just watch and appreciate that there's life lessons in sports and the life lessons in sports, uh, it it just continues on throughout your life. Uh, you got to learn how to lose before you can ever appreciate winning. And if you don't know how to lose properly, you know, I see kids, they lose and they they walk into the dressing room and they're laughing with their buddy or they're laughing with the girlfriend, uh, you know, and they see their parents and they got to put their head down and, and, and be sad. No, if, you, if you gave 100% and so let the kids be kids, let them, let them have fun. You can't, you can't expect a six, seven, eight-year-old to be as talented as a National Hockey League player. So all these parents, my advice would be back off, back off. And I had, I'll give you an example. I had a father that once came to me and said, Robin, would you talk to my son? He was playing Bantam hockey, one of the best uh, Bantam hockey players. Uh, and he said he wants to quit. So he, he doorbell rings, he comes over, comes in, he sits down. I know Mr. Burns, my father, set this up. And I said, yes, he did. So he said, he wants you to convince me to, to uh, continue to play hockey. And I said, no. I said, why do you not want to play? Well, he said, I'll be honest with you. I've been playing 100 games since I've been five years old. He said, I've been to Europe now three times. I've been to the Pee Wee tournament. I've done this. I've done this. I just want to try skiing. I just want to try, you know, some other things. 14? So I said, yeah, this, this is like, wow. this is like a, a kid. And I said, well, so not mentioning any names. And I said, well, I, I don't blame you. I said, if you're not happy playing, then get into a sport that you're going to be happy. And, and so he said, I can't believe you said that, Mr. Burns. He said, are you going to say that to my father? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, he's really gonna be upset. And I said, I'm a big boy. So I, anyways, the kid goes home and father, I get a phone call. And he called me every name under the sun. And I just said, I said, don't you want your son to be happy? Anyways, he cursed me out. Fast forward to Fairview Shopping Center. I see him years later. And he, he stops me, and he's got two little ones. He said, Mr. Burns, he said, 
you not recognize me? And I said, no, I don't. I'm so-and-so. These are my kids. I want you to know that I am back playing old-timers hockey. And he said, I love it. I'm having the time of my life. He says, I went on. I became an engineer. He said, I ski. My family skis. He said, you know, all of this stuff. And he said, I never forgot what you did for me. Oh. And so I, I, I look at things like that, but also to look at all the arenas. From 1 o'clock till 5 o'clock, there's no ice being used. Why don't we these, uh, take all these kids in school? Everyone has equipment downstairs, skates downstairs. Why don't we get the, all these kids in school on the ice? You know, like get them playing. We are so, so concentrated on AAA hockey, making it, uh, you know, Canada will win the Olympics, Canada World Championships. We are so, you know, zeroed in to, to be the best in the world. What about all these kids? Hockey's on, a, on an incredible decline. Hockey what? is now an elitist sport. You go buy a brand-new pair of Bauer skates and a brand-new stick, you're talking 2000 bucks. Jesus, Murphy. Yeah. Wow. $2,000 for a pair of skates and a stick. It's unaffordable for and, a lot of people. And it's, the, it, it's, now, it's now an elitist sport. And the, the decline is in the numbers of people who are Oh, it's, the, kid, it, the kids are registering for it's, hockey. It's dropping off at yeah. an alarming rate. Yeah. Absolutely alarming rate because two working parents, no. you know, they, they, they don't want it. And the money they got to dole out. And I said, you know, to play this and to play that. Uh, so the hockey, hockey is in, in Canada, you're going to see in the future, you're going to only see, you know, like hockey at, at, at a level, the rest. They, they're going to fall by the wayside. Do you think that's ended up in the game that we watch on television now? Because I, I, I said, was having this conversation with my dad. There's, there's something about the game now that, you know, if, you know, my wife said to me the other day, hey, put the hockey game on. It's a Toronto, Toronto uh, Montreal games on, and I was like, oh, is it? It's you know, it's October, and I and I. I, I don't know. There's it. There's, you don't get fired up for opening night. It was opening night. Yeah, and probably because where I live, the games come on at four o'clock. Well, that that might have help. something to do with it. But there's there. I watch a game on a Saturday night, and you know, besides all of the, you know, the the politics that gets injected into the games and the the social causes on hockey night in Canada and all of that stuff, I I, I there's just. I don't know. There's an element that seems to be missing, and I wonder if it's because it's too technical, too organized. I don't know. If it's um, or am I just crazy? <laughs> Look at how many people are behind the bench. Yeah. Look at how many people are upstairs. Well, let me let me tell Look you. Look at these offsides. Uh, <clears throat> the, the, the call the goals back, which I, it's great. Yeah. You know, and and it, the skate is up uh, an eighth of an inch, but it, it's an offside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, like yeah. You have four or five coaches, uh, you know, one 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 coach is a professional, you know, how you fart. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> one coach is, uh, you know, this, well, this, this. Vancouver's opening night, we were watching because, you know, we live out there, so we put it on. And the opening ceremony included the Canucks I introducing all of the team physicians. Dr. Fussentai, <laughs> Dr. Holosentai. He's my Doctor. favorite. I, yeah, and I thought to myself, no one in the arena gives a shit about this. And then they then they introduced all the people who were the physical trainers. 
And then they introduced all the people who were that night's scratches. Don't and forget it, the land acknowledgement. And, yeah, and, and there's that. And I thought to myself, I, you know, drop the plug. <laughs> well, look, there's no greater doctor, Dr. Mulder. Uh, yes. That's just, just retired, retired Montreal yeah, after yeah. 100 years. Yeah. And, you know, and and before Dr. Dr. Mulder, you know, <laughs> you had all of these. They they were never they were never in the limelight. They were, uh, they, they were behind, yeah. and they saved people's lives in yeah. the city. And uh, you know, they, and and you know, like all the every coach and everything like that. There's too many. Yeah, there's too many. But it's too big a business. But don't forget. I guess I don't know. It 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 is big business. Yeah. It's big business. They're they're paying these these kids millions of dollars. Not not thousands. They're paying them millions. <laughs> So you know, like if you got a hangnail, take yeah. care of it. Yeah. You know, because uh, God forbid you, you know, you, you, the hangnail gets infected. You can't play. It's it, it's. Do you still watch every Saturday night? I I'm a hockey fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm a hockey yeah. fan. I I'll watch until, you know, I'm sitting there and 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 the eyes are dropping. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like if it's a real good game, I I struggle. But I'll hit the Sealy posture, Pedic, uh, you know, uh, before before uh, the game's over, and then I'll see the highlights in the morning. But but at the end at the end of it, I'm still I still love the sport. Yeah. I still love the game. Sports been good to I, you, eh, Robin. Sports sports been has big, been my life, yeah, and it's been and good to you, Franny. You know, God love her. She's she moved twenty times in ten years with me. She had a son in Houston. She had a, son, a daughter in Montreal, a son in Houston, a son in Hershey. So we've been all over the place and you know, thank God for her because all the years I worked but I traveled too yeah. much and I yeah. in retrospect uh, I traveled and Franny uh, she took care of everything. So I look I look back and uh, I'm seventy seven, she's seventy six and you know this this Adonis type body I have, you know, is um, Franny still that temple didn't build itself. Oh, that's right. Uh, there's a man that speaks truth. Listen to him, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely a temple. We've <laughs> we've taken up too too much of your time, Robin. I I, I can't thank you enough. As we go out, uh, we've got uh, two more folks that we have to say thanks to, and this includes our friends at Matla Bonar. I took Ted there yesterday. Um, for it's uh, my new favorite yeah, store. It's his new favorite yeah, store. Speaking I, of Sealy Posturepedic, yeah, oh boy, oh boy, it's a store that specializes in sleep and everything that has to do with sleep. Ted needed a new duvet cover, and I said, "I'm going to take you to the very first Metlab on our store that opened on Gwen Boulevard in Saint Genevieve. Uh, that's where it all started. They got 17 stores now, and they've been around for a very long time. But you had a really Typical, nice experience that I've been talking about for a long time. I actually got to take my new duvet out for a test nap. They let me lie down on the bed, and Kevin tucked me in and said, how does that feel? And I said, I'll let you know in about an hour and a half. <laughs> Tell me a story, Uncle Terry. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic spot and uh, great customer service. And yeah, like I say, what a beautiful store! Like Absolutely. I would, I would, you know, maybe it's a function of my age and napping is one of my favorite things now. But I oh, went in there and yes. I saw oh, you. Well, Robin, you got to go to Metla Bonheur. It's uh, it's a bonanza for nappers. It's an unbelievably beautiful store with uh, just quality products uh, like there's no tomorrow. And what do they got now? Tear 17, 18 17 stores, stores, yeah, in the Greater Montreal yep, area, yeah. Yep. 
started from scratch. We went to the original location. Family-owned business. Yeah. Kevin is the son of the founder yeah. who runs that store, and that's one of the things we like about them. And they have a code, too, if you yeah. want to save some money. Thank you for reminding me. It's uh, just tell them, uh, go in and say you listen to the knuckleheads on the podcast and tell them that you're, or type in your code, Terry, um, Terry and Ted five <laughs> don't you don't know what the code is do yeah you? but um uh it's uh, i don't have it in front of me unfortunately but there's a promo code and if you listen to the next podcast i'll make sure i have it in front of me all right <laughs> like, well, or I'm listen if yeah. you go in yeah. and just say yeah. Kevin, i was listening to the podcast yes. and they couldn't remember, remember the, the promo code, code. he'll go yeah that sounds about right there you go it's metlabunner.ca and just as we leave um, and I got to tell Tom and Trish this. So we got a call from Tom and Trish at a company called AccuTech Electric. And they said to me, um, we would like to uh, support your podcast. We'd like to be a sponsor. And I said, are you sure about that? Uh, because I don't know if we can be the perfect ambassadors for you. You do know that we're Amish and we don't use electricity, <laughs> right? AccuTech Electric, they said to me, well, Tom was talking to me and he said, I'm a second generation master electrician and I run this company that my father founded 25 years ago. And I went, you, you run a family business? Uh, tell me more. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. Um, they have been at this for a very long time. Uh, they specialize in residential builds, residential renovations. They can tackle your industrial problems. They can talk to you about generators. They've been at it, like I said, for over 25 years. They've been servicing the industrial um, sector, and they can also walk you through um, some great upgrades and some rebates from Hydro. They know how to do all of these things. And like I was saying on a previous podcast, when it comes to electricity and you know making sure it's done right, that's not something you want to skimp on. You want to put this in the hands of really good people who've been at it for a very long time. AccuTech Electric, like I said, family-run business, been at it for over 25 years. Proud to have them on the podcast. Thrilled that they think we would be a good spokesperson for them. Like I said, I know where the fuse box is, and that's all I know about electricity. Yeah. Maybe they should come and look at your 47-year-old house. This guy, eh, with all the success Seriously. he has, yes. he's had, he yes. still lives in the same house he bought 47 years ago. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, it, a bit it, of a song, it, too. It, 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 it has increased in value. Yes, a little bit, I'll bet. <laughs> one, one terrible mistake, though. I, I left it in Franny's Nick. Uh oh <laughs> You know, if I could turn the tables on you guys for one little... Let, let it's amazing. Let it's me, amazing. Let me quickly give you AccuTech Electric. Their website is AccuTech.ca. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've watched you guys, and you have some incredible sponsors. We sure you, do. And sponsors that have been with you for years and years and years. Yes. The, both of you, i.e. like Merson and that. And I can only tell you that these people – they jumped onto your podcast because of the history that you both have, and you both are so professional and so easy to deal with. It's incredible. Oh, thank you. Robert. And so at the end, at the end of the day, you know these podcasts are are becoming more and more and more popular because you you can say you know truly incredible instead of bullshit the other <laughs> way around. You know, so yeah. so I I just I just uh, you know a tip of the hat to the both of you. That, that these people 
they see the the quality and and it's really it's really great to thank you absolutely robin. see the, these podcasts growing thank you robin Thanks, please, Robin. Please give our love to Franny and the rest oh, of the family. You, you to the old pitch. Uh, the, the old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my promise. And, I will. Yeah, and then don't forget the uh, Energizer Bunny yes. there, Leaping Lou. Yeah, I will. He's yeah. going to get up out of his bed. And yeah, I'm looking for you oh, if you yeah. keep bad-mouthing <laughs> his wife. You, do me a favor. Go get a little paintbrush somewhere. Just put it in his hand. <laughs> Anyhow, our very special guest, Robin's Burn. Robin's Burn. <laughs> <laughs> Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast has been brought to you by the UPS Store Canada. The UPS Store near you is locally owned and operated by a member of your small business community. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.